Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, don't at me. We play hurt. One week out of a surgery. I don't even want to tell you what it is. I'm playing hurt. If you see me sweating, that's right. I'm going to be sweating. Toughness matters in the NFL. It mattered yesterday, both for the positive and the negative. Kalen DeBoer, you are the man. You are the perfect man for Bama. And, hey, apparently we can't even hold women responsible to an expectation to not be screwing somebody that works for you and paying them a million dollars. Don't have me starts right now. I'm back, baby. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thank you, Michelle Tafoya. Michelle Tafoya is going to Wally pit me, and I ain't mad at her. She's a pro. What are you going to do? And you guys responded, and thanks to everybody that sent me all of the nice notes over this past week. I am okay. Had a little surgery. I'm not great, but I'll be sweating. You'll see it, but who cares? Enough about me. Toughness matters, and I showed up, and I'll tell you something else. Didn't really get a chance to comment on this. Saban, out. I don't blame him. 75 years old. You like to play golf? Out. Fine. Oh, man, Belichick out. But Belichick out, well, not because he wanted to be out. And anybody that saw that press conference with Robert Kraft understood these two guys had a plan. Mutually agreed upon was that plan. And that plan was going to be stuck to come hell or high water. That plan was not going to be deviated from. And that plan worked because every single media person I saw, guess what? Mutually agreed upon. I could tell it was mutually agreed upon. I could tell it wasn't mutually agreed upon. I could tell it was very one-sided. Bob Kraft looked at the operation, went both ways, and said, you know what? Nuh-uh. Uh-uh. This ain't right. No, this ain't right. Something's wrong here. We did not win enough without Brady. Understand that we don't have Brady. Everybody understands that. We get it. Okay. But you also got to understand something else. There's a level that you still should be winning if you're a great coach, and this wasn't it. And, of course, Brady going on to winning a Super Bowl didn't help matters much. And, of course, Belichick will get another job. We'll talk about Dallas coming up here in a few minutes. But Belichick, I don't care who you look at. I can read body language like nobody's business. I can read body language like it. there is no tomorrow. And that body language of Belichick and Kraft told me one thing. This was not mutually agreed upon. So Saban... Absolutely, he gone. Belichick, absolutely, he gone, but he ain't gone happy. And then the third was Pete Carroll, who came out and said, look, when you get fired like this, it's very simple. These aren't football people. They're just not football people. And these people that fire you, they look at numbers, they look at all, they're not football people. That makes it hard. But he needed to be gone, too. I mean, look, at some point, Ed Ogeron said it best, coaches have shelf lives. Mine is 10. Apparently, my job... I'm good at a job for 10 years. And then I get tired of them, they get tired of me, apparently. I I don't know, but that's what it seems to be. 
Other coaches, it's six. Other coaches, it's 26. Other coaches, it's 46. Other coaches, it's three. I don't know. But what I do know is this. Pete Carroll needed to go. Belichick needed to go. And Nick Saban wanted to go. And that's good. So let's talk about replacement. Let's talk about Kalen DeBoer. And I'm not going to talk about this for long, but I did want to say this. I see a lot of people say, well, Kalen DeBoer, you don't want to be the man that follows the man. You don't want to be that man. Why not? I mean, why, why, why the hell not? Why not be the man that follows the man? I mean, look, these jobs don't come open every other year. These jobs don't just all of a sudden go, hey, look, Alabama job's open. I mean, guy gets in that job, he has any success, it's going to be another 10 years, and i got to tell you, Caleb DeBoer is not going to be the hot commodity. You don't know who's going to be the hot commodity. There'll always be another hot commodity. But Caleb DeBoer, from his standpoint, I get a chance to coach at Alabama. You kidding me? Let's go. Period. Let's go. And that's what he did. And i got to tell you, well, here's Caleb DeBoer getting very emotional about the whole situation, leaving Husky Nation, joining Bama Nation. Here's Caleb DeBoer. One of the few places, maybe the only place, that I would have ever left to, to come coach at. Because I understand what Alabama football is all about. And those, those guys that I sat in front of a room yesterday, I know what they're going through because I saw the same thing less than 24 hours ago. And I just... I just want to tell everyone, because I know they're, they're watching, I just want to tell you guys I love you. I will miss you. And, um, you know, I want nothing but the best for everyone back there. And uh, the journey of the last two years have been special. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the other side of it. Here's from the player's side of it. Let's play it. Hey, the front, bro. We in the training room, fool. ESPN kicks on. You feel me? They talking about the poor final contract. Bro, we must, we must have looked, bro. I must have hit the coach, fool. He's a mom of none about that. He Shit, turns on the news. Because he really ain't say nothing to nobody, fool. Like, yeah, bro. Like, Cuz is up and left, bro. Yeah, that's always tough. That's always tough. I left Bowling Green to go to West Virginia, and I told the players, I go, look, I'm going there, and I will not have time to come back here. I will not have time to tell you personally, so I'm telling you right now. I may take the job if it's good enough, and I love you all, and I want to do it face-to-face, period. I thought it was the best way. When I left West Virginia eight days, nine days later, I waited around, told the president I'm out, told everybody I'm out. Waited around, went to the lock or went to the workout in the morning, 6 a.m. Told the players, look, fellas, I appreciate the week's work, but I'm out. I think that's the best way to do it. There's no good way to do it. But you know what? Players are so used to it, right? Players are so used to it. They just laugh about it. And I don't blame them. What else can you do? I mean, guys sitting there telling you about love, telling you about all this stuff, and then boom, he's gone. He's gone. And that's the way it goes. It's never good. I remember when Urban left Bowling Green, people were so mad. How he handled it. How everybody doesn't like the process. Everybody wants to talk about the process. Like they're going to handle the process better. Sometimes you're going to be sneaky. Sometimes coaches are sneaky. I never felt sneaky was the right way. In fact, not being sneaky got me in an article by Bruce Feldman of Fox. He was at ESPN at the time, bad-mouthing me for staying around. Having the audacity to confront those players in person. Well, I think that's what men do. 
I, I do. And if DeBoer didn't do that, shame on him. He owed it to those players. What a football – oh, we're family. We're this, we're that, we're the other. I think he's the perfect guy. I think he's the perfect guy, young, understands – but I'll tell you this much. He don't understand what Alabama football is all about. He can say he does. And people are going to say, yeah, he does, he does. No, really, he does. No, he can say it. But until you're there, until, you under, until you're at Indiana basketball, or Kentucky basketball, or Duke basketball, or North Carolina basketball, or USC football, or one of these unbelievable programs, I can't tell you how many people that I've, I've known that have worked at Indiana and said, man, I thought I knew about Indiana basketball. Holy crap, until you get here, and then it's bigger than you ever imagined. I go, yeah. I, go, it, it, I never had to get used to it because it was all I knew. But he will be shocked by how big Alabama football is. He will. And that's just the way the world goes. As they say, them's the berries. But I think he's the perfect guy. He's the only one I really wanted to talk about. Belichick, get in the car, get to Dallas, fire everybody, and away we go. Speaking of the NFL, you know what I thought yesterday and the day before watching NFL football? It's one thing to have, well, it's overreaction Monday. Well, it's something Tuesday. Well, okay, fine. Player empowerment. Oh, okay, great. Player that blah, 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 blah. Okay, that, uh, I agree. You know what I saw yesterday? Toughness matters. Toughness matters. Toughness still matters in the NFL. I'll give you two teams that had it. One of them is the Green Bay Packers. Been texting with my good friend Todd Meyer, Packer guy, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, captain of Indiana's 90, or 1987 NCAA championship team. Big Packer guy. He wanted me to check on Will Kane, and we should. Here's where toughness mattered. How many tackles? How many tackles did the Dallas Cowboys miss relative to how many tackles did a team like the Lions miss? How many tackles did the Cowboys miss? How many tackles? We've been trying to get a hold of Will Kane, and Will Kane says, uh, you'd think I'd be used to this by now. Well, you never get used to your team crap in the bed because what is a fan? Fan is a fanatic. What is a fan? Fan has hope. Down with dope, up with hope. That's what a fan's credo is. But the Dallas Cowboys didn't have toughness. They didn't have it. You get in a game like that, and for the announcers yesterday to point out again and again and again the body language, the movement, the route running, the lack of intensity of C.D. Lamb and the quarterback was unbelievable to me. If you are a winner, if you are Rice or Jonathan Ta- or John Taylor, the, the other wide receiver, or you're Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, or you're Brady and Edelman, or Brady when Moss came over, doesn't matter. If you're of that ilk, you play great on the biggest stage Period. Period. That's what you do. There is no me. There is no body language issue. There is no mo- There's nothing but winning. Period. People don't understand that. And people are sitting there criticizing the coach and everything else. And that's fine. But these players got to figure out, hey, they had no toughness being the Cowboys. And on the other side, was there one issue at all? Was there one thing at all that the Green Bay Packers did not do 
other than just kick their ass. And I'll tell you what is the poster child of that, Jordan Love. Jordan Love was okay earlier this year. He was okay. You know what, though? Matt LaFleur would do different things with Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur was not afraid to coach Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur was not afraid to say, this is what he needs to do, and he did it in public. Guess what? He knew Jordan Love. He knew Jordan Love is a tough dude. He knew Jordan Love can handle some ish. He knew Jordan Love wasn't going to go crying. He knew Jordan Love was going to step up. And guess what? Jordan Love's been a superstar over the last, uh, you tell me, I don't know. I remember talking on this show about how good I thought Jordan Love was. How many missed tackles? How many yards after catch? I mean, honest to God, toughness mattered. Now, you say to me, well, Dad, you know, nobody's that tough. You know, they're not, everybody's tough. No, everybody isn't tough because I'm not talking about a fist fight or I'm not talking about will I, I'm talking about mental toughness. I got to stop this man from getting a first down. I got to play with a discipline of showing my hands as opposed to grabbing a guy. And I'm telling you, I'm watching the teams that won yesterday and it hit me like a ton of bricks. So people say, what went wrong with the Cowboys' defense? What went wrong with the Cowboys' defense? Hey, no toughness. Hey, that 97, what's his name? Lawrence, you're going to tell me he's a great player. Do yourself a favor. Watch. Watch how many times that guy number 97 goes in and they go around him. No discipline to set the edge. None. Zero. Zip. Now, you can make up whatever excuse you want. They did it once and they got him and they came right back and did it on another play. Now that, ladies and gentlemen is real toughness. That's toughness. That's how we roll. Like, toughness is not about fighting somebody. Toughness is not about, like, this idiot Damian Woody on here yelling and screaming, blah, 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 blah. ain't toughness. But I'm telling you right now, Jordan Love was a tough dude. The Packers defense, every guy were tough guys. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, If you didn't have it yesterday, if you didn't have it at all, you got your ass beat. You you, you just did. I mean, I know people want to say, hey, look, uh, this happened, that happened. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Toughest teams won. All right, let's talk about the Lions. Let's talk about the Lions from the get-go saying, all right, we're going to take this football with David Montgomery, and we're going to run it right up the middle. Got to tell you, I know nobody wants to hear it. That's toughness. That's toughness. How about Jared Goff? Now, let's talk about Jared Goff. Jared Goff, this is the most pressure he's ever going to play in. He's the first pick in the draft. It doesn't go well. He goes to the Lions for Stafford. He's playing against Stafford in his own building. You know, everybody was talking about how much each guy would want to beat the other and blah, blah, and they're all both really good guys and all that. So that's great. But you know the truth of the matter is? The truth of the matter is there was so much pressure on Jared Goff yesterday, and he didn't look like it at all. That's toughness. I mean, his throws were zhoo. His throws were boom. He was putting it on a dime. He was making the right reads. He made one really stupid play that he got away with when he tried to, when he was going down, he kind of tried to uh, forward pass it, but it went backwards and he got away with it. And sometimes that's a difference in the game, and it was. But I'm talking toughness here. 
Look, I thought Stafford was really good. I don't think I've ever seen a guy, and I've said this before, I watched Stafford at camp here uh, when the Colts had it on 56th Street. They scrimmaged against the Lions, and Andrew Luck was with the Colts, and Stafford was with the Lions, and I'm like, it's not even close. I was standing there talking to 35-year NFL defensive coordinator Rick Venturi, and I'm like, my God, I can't believe how hard or how much better Stafford throws at Andrew Luck. I know he's the best arm he's ever seen. Well, he was yesterday, too. But you just look at the game, and I think most of us felt like uh, you got a problem here. You got a problem here, Lion. This is going to be taken away from you. But you know what? It just didn't. It just didn't. And fans were losing their minds. Stafford threw for 367. Hey, but I got to tell you, sometimes you can be tough and lose. It isn't all like, hey, we're going to be tough and win, and you're not. No, 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 no. That Acuna? the hell's his name? Puka Nakua? Holy hell. Puka Nakua is incredible, the wide receiver for the Rams. I mean incredible. Like, whoo! Wow. And let's talk game plan. You know, they showed how they were double and triple teaming Aaron Donald. Well, guess what? It's one thing to do it once. Another thing to do it twice. It's another thing to do it three, four times. You know what? They kept doing it. They kept doing it, and I got to tell you, Aaron Donald, you want to get his numbers? Three total tackles, one solo. It worked. You take the best player out of the game. But I'm telling you, man, the stuff that went on yesterday, that was high-level football. That was high-level get after it. We're going to kick your ass, and you ain't kicking ours. I don't want to hear about it, period. How good is C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud, I know old uh, freezing cold takes. I know freezing cold takes came after me because of a take I had earlier where I said, I don't care. The Texans stink, and I'm glad we got Richardson, not C.J. Stroud. Okay, I might have been wrong on that one. I might have jumped the gun on that one. Now, Indy fans are saying, well, maybe not. No, you know, I mean, we don't know yet. No, we know. I mean, look, I don't know about you, but I uh, – I think we knew. I mean, C.J. Stroud's a bad mother. C.J. Stroud's only going to get better. He's like 10 years old, this guy. And the way he commands it, oh, was I wrong about his eyes. Oh, was I wrong. That dude's the youngest guy ever to lead the league in touchdown to interception ratio. Youngest dude ever. Led the league in that which means he reads the defense. He throws the ball away from the defense, which means he's tough enough not to make mistakes. Dude's incredible. And I got to tell you, D'Amico Rines, I'm all in on you. You hear me say this a lot. Hey, man, there are only certain guys I'm going to follow. D'Amico Rines is one of those guys that I'm going to follow. No, I'm going to follow him. Easiest bet of the entire weekend was the Chiefs. I got a minus four. That line went down. Are you crazy? Miami wanted no part of that. Miami wanted nothing to do with that football game. I mean, they can say they did. They can act like they did. You can tell me they're pros and I'm wrong. And I'll listen, of course. I'll listen big time. And then I'll go, yeah, well, you're wrong. And you knew Patrick Mahomes. You knew Mahomes was going to have something for him. And he did. Hey, and the Rice kids started catching the football. Kelsey did not, but that's okay. He did late. It almost looked to me for a minute, for just a minute, a second, 
that Kelsey got the yips and was going to keep dropping. And then they got him a couple easy ones, and next thing you know, he was fine. But damn. Woo! You knew Mahomes was going to do that. And then we got tonight, we got Steelers and Bills. Look, I don't know. I'm glad they moved that game, though. All right. When you watch the NFL tonight, just see. Just see. Who's more disciplined? That's why Michigan won. Michigan won in football in, in college because how disciplined they were, how tough they were. They didn't make mistakes. They missed tackles. and blow assignments. Watch this tonight when you're watching these games. I'm telling you right now. This is fun stuff to watch. This is really fun stuff to watch because for all the complaining people do about his flag football, uh-uh, man, uh-uh. This is real toughness on display every game, period. What does my boy Seth Greenberg say? This isn't for marshmallows. This ain't for marshmallows. Oh, let me get this right. So this woman, Franny Willis, is a prosecutor, Donald Trump, in Georgia. So Franny, well, was stooping another prosecutor. And in paying him a million dollars over years, paying him to prosecute Trump as well. So the guy's name was Nathan Wade. Now, Nathan Wade must be, uh, he must have nowhere else to go. He must have ran through hook, I don't know. But if you're stooping Franny Willis, God bless you, baby. But for a million bucks, I guess we would sling it to anyone, anytime, anywhere, I suppose. But apparently now, everything has moved to we don't have expectations for anybody. Let's hear from Franny. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do it. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will, stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. So this dumbass having sex with another prosecutor and then paying him a million dollars because she's a black woman, we're not supposed to hold her to any expectations because she can move mountains. What mountain is this idiot moving? I mean, seriously. An inappropriate romantic relationship with a prosecutor, she's saying they're made because she was black. She hired special prosecutor Nathan Wade, her alleged partner, to prosecute Trump benefited financially from the relationship in the form of lavish vacations the two went on using funds his firm received for working the case. Ah, and she's speaking at Big Bertha AME Church in Atlanta. They only attacked one. First thing they say is, oh, she's going to play the race card. But no, God, this isn't it them that's playing the race card when the only question won. Well, you're the only one stooping the dude. 
It is, look at this horrible freaking pass. Look at this bag of awfulness. Hey, look, you like the stuff. Great. Ain't about black women. It's about everybody being held to a higher standard when you are in public office. Ain't no black woman saving the world. Ain't no white woman saving the world. Ain't no white dude saving the world. Ain't no white woman saving the world. How about that? A great friend and a great lawyer. I mean, she is being accused of having improper and clandestine affair at the same time appointments were being made in 2020 in election interference. This is what we're all saying. This is so freaking corrupt. It's unbelievable. And just because this guy sticks it in that gal, it don't mean that she should be uh, let off because she's a black woman. She shouldn't be prosecuted any harder because she's a black woman, but she should be prosecuted. Honest to God, where does it end? Hey, look, I murdered that man, but us black women, we are not perfect. We should be allowed grace. We should be allowed to make mistakes. We should be allowed to grow while we're spreading our legs, heels up, Harris. Can any of these black women not just work their way up through sex? Hey, I mean, heels up. She spread them and took it from uh, that guy, uh, that mayor in San Francisco, and now this clown. But it's not their fault. They're black women. They're being persecuted. What? What? What are we talking about? (laughs) Man, oh, man. Hey, look, that's racist. No, it's not racist. No, I mean, here's the deal. And I saw this numerous times yesterday, and this is what our show does. You know, the last thing that Franny Willis and her ilk wants is to be judged by the content of her character, not the color of her skin. She is dying to be judged by the color of her skin only because she got something to work with there. She can BS the troops there. And every little white dude will be like, oh, yeah, man, Freddie Lou Willis. White dudes have sex. They don't get prosecuted. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Seem like uh, Bill Clinton had a little problem. But I digress. The last thing an African-American woman wants, like Franny Willis, the last thing is to be judged by her character. Because if you judge what she did, she should be fired. She's an embarrassment, blah, 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 blah. But we're, and she should be gone immediately. But she's being judged by the color of her skin, which is the greatest thing ever for African-American women like Franny Willis. It's the greatest. They're untouchable, right? And here's the deal. I don't get what makes him untouchable. So Franny Willis gets mad, and she's real mad. And you know what? Somebody, anybody with authority in Georgia goes, yeah, honey, you go be mad over there. You, you go be mad. You yell and scream about race, and L. Sharpton shows up, and uh, I don't even know, is, is uh, Jackson still alive? I, Obama shows up. Uh, some of these guys with these African names show up. Uh, it's great. They all show up. God, good. Good. How long are you going to be here? Until she's back in. Well, you're going to be here a while. Then they stay at, the, at least Sharpton, stays in the Four Seasons, doesn't pay his bill, drinks cognac, uh, smokes cigars, and then leaves after a few weeks when he's pocketed some cash. I mean, it's the way this works. Make absolutely no mistake about it. That's it. It's the way it works. So if Georgia, if you stand up to this ridiculousness, 
We're mad. We're gonna, you, think you're gonna, you think we're going to burn cities down again? You think politicians are really going to let cities get burnt down again? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't know what's the negative of saying, hey, lady, look, here's the bylaws. I'm suing you. God, sue. Racist. Yeah, okay, race. Yeah, get over there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Tell you what was awful. And it's has been awful, and it's awful at a higher level. Michael Jordan. Now, Michael Jordan's a filthy human being. I mean, you say whatever. I know he's MJ. I know he's got a chip on his shoulder. I know. But as a human being, Michael Jordan really doesn't respect anything but Michael Jordan's interests. You know, Michael Jordan had no respect for his wife's interests when he was slinging it all over the place, screwing everybody and their mother. Michael Jordan probably didn't have his son's interests when he was going to all these golf tournaments, doing all this stuff, and he wasn't at home. I'm sure there are zillions of people who Michael Jordan has screwed over the years, and maybe some have screwed him. But the fact of the matter is, Michael Jordan, I think, his biggest misdeeds in basketball revolve around a man named Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause was a general manager of the Chicago Bulls. Jerry Krause is a terrific story. Jerry Krause, about this tall, this wide, they call him crumbs. He had crumbs all over the place. But Jerry Krause understood what he had in Chicago with Jordan. Jerry Krause was a general manager, all six championships. Michael Jordan didn't like him. Fine, people don't like each other. But Michael Jordan was such a jackass to Jerry Krause, his boss, such a bully, such a ridiculously bad human being, that the other night, the Bulls had a ring of honor ceremony. They had a ring of honor ceremony where they honored guys like Jordan and Pippen, Rodman. Those three didn't show up. Luke Longley showed up. And Jerry Krause, his widow, showed up. And the fans booed. The fans booed the widow. Why did they boo the widow? Because Michael Jordan told them to boo the widow. He didn't specifically write a letter, an email, but he told them over the years, Jerry Krause is no good. Jerry Krause is this. Jerry Krause is that. Blah, 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 blah. So the idiots in Chicago that look like me, big, fat, stupid white dudes who do anything to kiss Michael Jordan's ass, guess what they did? They booed Jerry Krause's widow. That's what they did. The young, stupid white dudes that think, well, man, you don't understand. I was two in the Bulls, but I really understood. They should boo him. Really? Jerry Krause was smart enough to get Dennis Rodman there. Dennis, it was smart enough to get Tony Kukoc there. Dennis Rodman understood whether it was Bill Cartwright or Luke Longley. He needed a tough postman. There's a famous story about Bill Cartwright telling Michael Jordan, if you ever hold the ball off me, I'm going to break your legs. And Michael Jordan never held the ball off of Bill Cartwright, who was notoriously tough. But long story short, the deal is simple. Michael Jordan being an ass, and there you see the reaction. She's just mortified. Her husband is being booed. That's Ron Harper. Good for Ron Harper. Trying to console her. I mean, it's unbelievable. Here's what Steve Kerr, a member of that team, had to say. Shameful. It's absolutely shameful. Um, I cannot believe... Um, I'm devastated for Thelma and for uh, the Krause family. I, I, what, what can we possibly be th thinking? Um, I cannot believe um, that the fans – and you, you have to understand, when you hear boos, it's not all of them, right? So the fans who booed um, 
they know who they are, and that's um, to me it's it's absolutely shameful, and I, I'm I'm devastated by that um, because it, it's just what what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? And it's all because Michael Jordan. It's all because every. Did you ever see the documentary on Steve Bartman? And they interviewed all these meathead looking like me white dudes. And they're horrible human beings. Man, Bartman deserved it. Man, Bartman. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Like, Bartman didn't deserve that. Bartman went for a ball. Big deal. I, I was, I've been watching Cubs games since 1969. I've never seen anybody make a play there where Moises Alou thought he might make a play. Maybe he would. He didn't. You got a chance to win. Don't let a ball go through your legs, Alex uh, Gonzalez. Get somebody out. I mean, what the hell? But booing this 86-year-old woman who was invited by the team to posthumously honor her husband's unbelievable accomplishments. And everybody in basketball that knows anything about basketball will tell you Jerry Krause was freaking great. Great. He was great to me 100 years ago. I still have a letter from him. Great. And for the Bulls fans to do this is unconscionable. And for Michael Jordan to sit on his arrogant, stupid ass and not say a word about it is even worse. Good for Steve Kerr. Good. I mean, you're not allowed to go up against the great, the great gambler, philander, whatever the hell it is, Michael Jordan, because, well, he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, and MJ come at you. Shut up. Shut up. Just get tired of these rotten human beings. Nah, it's unbelievable. Chicago, I love you. Grew up a Bulls fan. Number 10 is a number I always wore my whole life because of Bob Love, Butterbean Love. Shot it back here when I was a kid because that's how Bob Love shot it. But you suck. You do. You suck. This I don't understand. I love Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy and Steve Young are claiming that Taylor Swift's presence had negative effects on the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs and Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre says Travis Kelsey's relationship with Taylor Swift will be put to blame if the Chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl. I got to tell you something. I watched Taylor Swift do all that. It looked like fun. Like, what is up with you men? What, a woman can't go to a football game and have a great time? What's she supposed to do? What the hell's a woman supposed to do? She's supposed to chill out, do nothing? I, you tell me. I, I don't get it. Like, what? All right, let's look. I think, uh, let's see, I think we'll always have sports in some form or fashion. Some people are disenchanted with it. It's the thing that's disenchanting people with sports now. So much on the outside coming in, entertainment value, different things, taken away from what happens on the field. It's Tony Dungy. I don't disagree with what he's saying. So much is coming in. But all this woman is doing, all she's doing is coming in to watch her, her boyfriend, whatever the hell he is, play football. That's it. And all of a sudden, he's made the sport bad because... Mike, uh, NBC and CBS and Fox, and everybody puts her on a screen. I mean, God dang, I'd have watched uh, 
I don't watch that little idiot. What's that little idiot racist guy, Spike Lee? I don't watch him every second of the guy when, when the Pacers and the Knicks were going. Of course you can't get mad about Spike Lee. You can't get mad about that. This is a, this is a you know, white woman. You can get mad about the white woman. That's unbelievable. The thing is, it's, the, it's this thing, Steve Young says. When you have outside force, it puts weight on everyone. You don't feel it necessarily, but if you step back, it's like, holy hell. Young said, you've got this thing you're dragging around. Everyone has to manage it. Anyone who says it's not a part of it is lying to themselves. Okay. What's this thing? What What am I missing here? Where are we going that I'm missing something that Taylor Swift is doing or didn't do or everybody's got to drag this thing around? What am I missing? I don't get it. If they don't win it or get to the Super Bowl, people are going to say that's why. Favre told CMZ he hopes that Swift will become, he says that Swift will become the scapegoat for the Chiefs' downfall this year. So, you know, I wish Brett Favre, I don't want anybody to go away. But when he speaks, it's just a whole lot of stupid. Well, you know, man, it's like, you know, uh, she'll be a scapegoat. Who's scapegoating a woman sitting in a freaking suite cheering for her boyfriend? I mean, will somebody explain that to me? Can somebody explain to me how this woman sitting in a suite about every other game, probably every game now, at least I hope every game now, having a blast, by all accounts being respectful to everybody, I mean, the wives of, like, not Kelsey, but the mom of Kelsey, Kelsey's brother's wife, Mahomes' wife, all seem to be having a blast. I mean, are women not even allowed anymore to have a blast at a football game? I, I, got, no, I got no problem. I hope she shows up at every game. I hope he plays well. I sent to my daughter that thing with her dancing and all that, and I'm like, this is awesome. And my daughter was shocked. It's like, Dad, I'm, I'm so glad you, uh, you like that. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I? What's not to like? T. Swift, rocking and rolling, baby, shaking and baking. It's great. People are nuts. All right, we're going to see if Chad Withrow wants everybody fired. Are we, just, are we just firing everybody? Like, here's the deal. If you are a member of this year's Dallas Cowboys organization, according to Dan Orvlosky, we're firing you. Like, I would have asked if C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb apparently yesterday didn't have very good body language. At least that's what the guys on my TV were saying. They were telling me that C.D. Lamb and Prescott had horrible body language. All right, you getting rid of him? I mean, I understand you got to get rid of the fat white guy. Everybody's going to go on TV and talk about McCarthy. I get it. I get that Dak Prescott, even though he's a Walter Payton man of the year, even though all he does is win, I get it that he's a lightning rod for idiots. But are you just getting rid of everybody? That's what Orlowski said. Tear the whole thing down. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And then Damian Woody went, blah, 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 blah. No. That's why you watch the show. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going to happen tonight, what's going to happen with Buffalo. I think Buffalo wins. Got a lot to talk about. I'm 
striving or struggling. I was going to say struggling, but I'm fighting through it, baby. By the end of this show, I'll be on like six Percocets and then we'll really have a show. Stay right here. Thanks for being here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, you know them, you love them. You listen, you watch them. Hot mic, three to six every day right here on the Outkick Network. Let's get right into this. Um, I'm, I, I, I get up, having coffee, and I'm watching. And Chad... I'm watching one guy says, Orvlowski, you got to get rid of everybody in Dallas. The other guy just mumbles, uh, Woody just mumbling stupid stuff about the coach, blah, 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 blah. I, well, well, let me ask you, you're, you're Jerry Jones. What do you do? Well, it, on one hand, you, you got a guy who's won 12 or more games over three straight seasons. That's pretty good, last I checked, for the NFL, right? On the other hand... You got a guy who can't get it done in the playoffs. And, and this was jarring to everyone. I, I did not expect this. I thought it was a great matchup for the Cowboys. I thought they were going to win going away. I, I bet on them to cover the seven points in that game. And, I mean, they got shellacked from the start of this game. It was a clinic put on by Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love and that offense against what was a good Cowboys defense with some star power that just could not get the job done. So it's tough to know how much of it is Mike McCarthy, how much of it is Dak Prescott, who I thought was terrible in this game. And and I've said throughout, Dak Prescott puts up great numbers. He's good statistically. He just lacks it. And we all know that it. It's the unquantifiable factor for all great players at that position that throughout time, that you either have it or you don't. And I, I just don't see where Dak Prescott has it. Now, is that Mike McCarthy's fault? Uh, does he share in the blame? I think he does. Um, Jerry Jones, you know, we talked to John McClain about this. Historically, he's actually pretty patient as a head coach. People think of him as this firebrand who's impatient. He's not. He's held on to coaches longer than he probably should at times. He's loyal to his coaches. So what does he end up doing? I think they probably move on. But uh, I don't know, Dan. I don't know where the blame really lies. If it's on Mike McCarthy, if it's on Dak Prescott and the players, probably a little bit of both. And if that's the case, I think it's likely that Mike McCarthy's the one that catches most of the blame and ends up getting fired. People ask me, I, you know, I, I say, look, I got to know what's happening day to day. And at, at some point, you know you're not winning with certain guys. If that guy's McCarthy, then he's got to go. If that guy's C.D. Lamb, then he's got to go. At some point, on a day-to-day basis, it, it, and this is why I have a problem with ownership or non-football guys making football decisions, because that's something you got to have some experience at. And if McCarthy, if you feel like, man, he, we can't win with what he does on a day, then we can't. I got to get rid of him. 
Uh, you know, and same thing with some players. You know what was odd to me, Chad, and back to the players? They kept talking about it, and I think they were right, C.D. Lamb and Prescott having some weird body language dynamic yesterday in the game. That was very odd to me. And, and that's not a coach's problem. To me, that's a player problem. No. If your quarterback yes. or star receiver can't get on the same page for a playoff game at home, then that's on those two guys. And, and they got to figure that out and make it better. I did like what Dak Prescott said. He was asked about Mike McCarthy's job security after that game, and he said, well, if his job's on the line, mine should be on the line too, based on what just happened and the way I played. I, I like that level of accountability and acknowledging that if you're Dak Prescott. The problem is those are words. Man, you got to go out there and play in the playoffs, and he just has not done that to the level they need him to play. Uh, he was awful in that game. I thought the coaching was bad. The preparation looked bad. Again, and, and we go back to is that on the players? Is it on the coach? Ultimately, the coach is going to be the one who takes the blame for it. But I'm with you, Dan. There's something off with CeeDee Lamb, with Dak Prescott. I, I thought the, the Cowboys' defense, you know, we've heard so much and seen so much from Micah Parsons all year. I thought the Cowboys' defense was awful. They got out-schemed so many times. They could not stop Aaron Jones in the running game of the Packers. It got to the point where I, I really thought the Cowboys just kind of quit uh, in that second half where they weren't even trying to stop the run. And credit the Packers, man. They they got from Thanksgiving Day on, where they went into Detroit and beat the Lions. That was a different football team. And Jordan Love looks really, really good. I mean, it looks right now like the Packers found themselves another franchise quarterback where they're going to go directly from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to another franchise guy in Jordan Love. They were great in all this, but there is something off with that Cowboys team. And the one easy thing to do if you're if you're Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones is to make a change at head coach. Far less easy to, to get out of Dak Prescott, far less easy than to do some other things. If they think someone else can come in and fix it, that's what they're going to do. But I will say, and I saw exactly what you're talking about too, Dan, if there is an issue personality-wise, attitude-wise, leadership standpoint from Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and they can't get on the same page, that may be an even bigger problem than the head coach. I agree. You know, let me go this route with you because this isn't a one-time thing. This went back to when Romo, Jason Garrett, help Bill Parcells. I mean, this goes back a long, long way where I, all right, I get their America's team and they drew ratings. I, I get all that. But the on the field hasn't really changed with the Cowboys. It, you know, you change the coach, okay, Jason Garrett couldn't get it done. This guy can't get it done. You change the quarterback, this is still the same thing. It's, it, it, it's literally what, what they used to call it in football, Clemsoning. Clemson would always crap the bed. I mean, it's literally that. It's, it's Clemsoning at the NFL level. So two different stories yeah. here. Lions and Cowboys, okay? The Lions have just sucked for years. So when you, you when you lion, when you're lioning, you just suck. You're not even making the playoffs, right? So when you get to that right. moment like we saw last night, it's so new for everyone. That's why you saw the fans emotional and everything else to win a playoff game. But it's not just the winning of the playoff game. Being in the playoffs is so monumental for the Lions because they've sucked for years and years and years. It's a terrible losing organization that finally broke through. I think sometimes it can be harder if you are Clemsoning, and that's what the Cowboys are. The Cowboys have gotten to a point where they have one of the best rosters in the NFL. They're constantly on the doorstep. 
They make it to yes. a certain point, and they get into a game against the 49ers, and they crap the bed late in the game. They get into this moment against the Packers where it's two versus seven, and they allow the first ever seven seed to win an NFL playoff game and not just narrowly win the game, blow their doors off in Big D. That, to me, is what is shocking about the Cowboys. But should I be shocked? Because this is so common for them. They get to this point, and there is a mental block. And I do believe that it can be organizational, and I think it can be as a program also. I understand that you know what happened 10 years ago or 15 years ago, these players weren't there at that time. But I do think that this ominous cloud and its psychological weight can hang around an NFL team, a college football program, a college basketball program, of those teams and, and programs we've seen that just cannot get over the hump and win that huge game. The Cowboys are there right now. This is a team that cannot figure out a way to win when it matters most. And we saw it again in this game yesterday. But this one was different to me only because they really got blown out from the beginning. Mostly it's them. You know, I think back to Tony Romo uh, fumbling the hold on the field goal that would have won the game, right? You've seen some pretty dramatic ways to lose the game late, but they play okay and they're in the game. This one wasn't even close. I mean, the Packers just dominated from the the opening kick of this football game, and and that is what's really jarring to me. You know, Chad, in recruiting, the best answer is yes. The second best answer is no. Yeah, I want to come. Okay, great, we're done. No, I don't want to come. I'm no interest. Okay, great. Then I can move on. The worst is being strung along, and the Cowboys, they string their fan base along because, as you said, there's no definitive we're not good enough, and there's no fin- definitive we are good enough. You're in that middle that's just – what do they say? Potential gets you fired, that kind of thing. That's kind of where the Cowboys are. Potential gets your ass fired. And also it, it puts their fans in an odd spot where it's difficult to even celebrate regular season success as it's happening. Yes. I, I see this all the time, right? Like I – there are, uh, you know, I, I can think of countless examples in sport where you get to the point where you're just so accustomed to having regular season success, but then it's just always creeping in the back of your mind. Well, we'll just see what happens in the playoffs. We all know what's going to happen in the end. We all know what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament. We all know what's going to happen here. And that sucks for fans because, especially in the NFL, <laughs> you get 17 games, right? That's all you're guaranteed, 17 games, 17 weekends, you're going to watch your football team play a game. So have fun while it's going well. But I really do think the Cowboys are in a spot where their fans aren't going to be having that much fun when they're doing well in the regular season because what's going to be hanging over them the entire time is what we just saw yesterday, which is Jordan Love and the Packers manhandling them at home as the number two seed. And Cowboys fans are going to live with that for the next year. And even when they come back next year and they're battling for the number one overall seed in the NFC and they're battling out with the 49ers and they're battling out with the Eagles, you know that their fan base, just like Skip Bayless throwing his Cowboys jerseys into the trash, they're going to be sitting there thinking, oh, this is great. We really like this, but we better win in the playoffs. And I'm not confident that we're going to win in the playoffs with Dak Prescott or even whoever the new coach is. And maybe you hope against hope that if they make a change at head coach, this new coach is going to be able to get it done in the playoffs. But you know Cowboys fans, are. this is going to hang over them for a while, Dan. You know how it works with fans. 
psychologically, they're not even going to be able to enjoy the success of their team in the regular season for fear that they're going to fall apart come playoff time. Well, two things on that. Uh, here in Indiana, Purdue deals with that this year in, in basketball, college basketball. Don't, you know, you lose to a 15, then you lose to a 16 seed, and now, you, you okay, you won the Big Ten, but who cares? That is a bad way to be. Is, is, or are the Buffalo Bills the next team on that train? Like, if they get beat tonight, are they the next? Hey, look, I don't give a damn what you do in the regular season anymore. Are they on that train next? I think Bills fans are different. Uh, Bills Mafia, we know, is different, you know, from uh, what they do in the snow and also jumping off of buses and other things and, and breaking through tables. Definitely a different fan base. And I think they're just so happy to be there at all times. It's a fan base that when they're good, they celebrate the team so much that I think they're always going to celebrate regular season success. My brother-in-law is from Hamburg, New York, Western New York, one of the biggest Bills fans I know, had season tickets at one point. He is the most positive NFL fan I've ever encountered. I try to get this guy to be negative about the Bills, and he will not get <laughs> negative about the Bills. The guy is just happy to be there, the most positive fan I've, I've ever encountered. So I do think that their fan base is different. Now, just you and I talking here, and anyone who watches football, yeah, they're absolutely there. Uh, I mean, you know, you go back to the four straight Super Bowl losses, but it's a team that there's one thing left to accomplish. It's win the AFC and get to a Super Bowl and win it. But for this group, they've got to win the AFC first. And that's really difficult when you're looking at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, when you're looking at Joe Burrow when healthy in Cincinnati, uh, Lamar Jackson is having an MVP caliber season, and the Ravens the number one seed. It's, it's finding a way, just like for the Cowboys to win in the playoffs, finding a way for Josh Allen, who is great, but Josh Allen has got to get over this playoff hump. Maybe the best playoff game he ever played in was that close overtime loss to the Chiefs uh, in Arrowhead a, a, a few years back. They got to find a way to win also. I think the fans are just eternally optimistic. Maybe being buried up to your waist in snow will make you optimistic because you got to have something to look forward to. But I think when we watch the Bills, I'm always thinking about a team that's got to figure out a way to get it done in the playoffs. And they get a chance later this afternoon in a bunch of snow to start that journey to where maybe we're talking about them in Vegas, the Super Bowl. Last thing before I let you go, I, I, this is probably too easy, you know, I, and I don't like to be easy, but I did legitimately feel like it was too cold for the Miami Dolphins to keep playing in that game. I did. I just felt like it was, yeah, we want to play. Yeah, but yeah, let's go home. That's how I felt. That's too easy though, right? No, it's not. It's not too easy. In fact, I put my money where my mouth was. Look, on Friday, we have Kelly in Vegas on our show, and Hutton and I both make a pitch, a sales pitch to her on our bet of the weekend, and she has to decide between one of our two bets. And she did not pick my bet. But my bet this weekend was easy money, and this, this is why it's not too easy, Dan, easy money, Chiefs to cover the four or four and a half, whatever it was, against the Dolphins for one simple reason. Tua doesn't want it. Tua doesn't want any part of that minus sub-zero weather. He does not want to play in a game like this. This is not oh, a guy who performs well in cold weather, and that Dolphins team did not want any piece of that weather. I don't blame them. I know they have the heating system on the sideline to make it you know, a balmy 40 degrees, but out there in the game, I, I, don't, I don't blame those guys. But I just knew coming in, the way the Dolphins were spiraling late in the season also – 
could not get anything done offensively. I knew they were going to come into that game and play poorly, and they did. That last touchdown by the Chiefs, where they just walking in, I think it was Isaiah Pacheco. No, it was uh, um, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. When he walks it in late in that game, watch the tackling effort on the, by the Dolphins at that point. Watch Jalen Ramsey come up and just thud him up and not even try to tackle him. You could see a team at that point that just had no interest in hitting, no interest in tackling in that weather. So I don't think it's too easy to say that. It was simply too cold for the Dolphins. I, 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 that actual that play that you're talking about is kind of when it hit me. You know, that, 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 that kind of that walk in. Uh, the Harbaugh Derby starts, uh, so I'm going to ask you, where does it end? I think that um, a, a couple spots come to mind for me. Just from the quarterback standpoint and where Harbaugh's been as a quarterback developer and a former quarterback, I think Los Angeles with the Chargers makes a ton of sense. But I feel like in Washington, they're going to go for a star. Josh Harris, new owner, he's got Magic Johnson on his ownership group. He's brought in the guy from the Warriors, Bob Myers. It feels to me like they're not going to do all this and try to start this over with, with the commanders being something again by hiring some coordinator somewhere. I, I feel like they're going to hire someone who's been an established head coach. All signs right now are pointing to Bill Belichick to Atlanta being the place for him to land. If that's the case, I think Harbaugh makes a ton of sense uh, with the commanders. I'd throw Mike Vrabel in that mix also for the commanders. But I'm going to go, Dan, for Harbaugh. Washington one, Chargers two for possible landing spots for him. The Raiders, I think, also make sense, but it feels like they're going to elevate Antonio Pierce and give him that job full time. So if I'm picking right now, Jim Harbaugh, next coach of the Washington Commanders, makes a ton of sense. What you got on the show today? We got a lot. First off, I'm buried in snow uh, here in Nashville, so I'll probably be right here today doing the show while Hutton's down uh, in studio. Uh, five inches is a lot, Dan. Five inches is a lot of snow in Nashville, Tennessee. It just The whole city is just incapacitated uh, at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, but we've got we got Ross Tucker coming on, a great NFL analyst to break down all the playoff games from over the weekend, and we're gonna have fun reacting to what was a huge weekend and talking about Kalen DeBoer in his first weekend as head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. A lot of guys that have decommitted over the weekend, but the biggest spot was his offensive coordinator, and he retains him in Ryan Grubb. So we'll we'll talk about that today coming up, four to six Eastern time. My bad. Four to six, not three to six. What's wrong with me? Four to six Eastern. You can watch and you can listen to Hot Mike. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks, Dan. Martin Luther King Day. Celebrating Martin Luther King. And we do on this show all the time. How? Because we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Don't even at me about it. Don't. And we're playing hurt. Yeah, we are. We got a knee the size of this. We're sweating, but we're tough as hell. All right, we come back. Our friend, speaking of San Diego, speaking of Harbaugh, Sean Merriman, going to join us. He was all over social media this weekend. Can't wait to talk to him about what just transpired in the NFL and what's going to transpire in San, uh, San Diego, in Los, An Los Angeles. Jeez. Double dizzle. Come on. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, Buffalo, you're going to have a football game. So what they do, they said, hey, we'll pay you 20 bucks an hour and give you free food. Come on in fans in Buffalo, and do some shoveling. Well, they did, and here's what happened. Let's have a look, Dylan. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. You got a picture of that one guy sliding down the thing, falling on his backside? I saw a couple where dudes are, like, taking tumbles. Can you imagine? Like, Hey, yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go shovel out the stadium, and then you get there, and it's like this high. Look at this. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, this will be fun. Holy cow! I'd last two minutes. Now, I am a conscientious objector to shoveling snow. I push snow. Like my friend Danny Frasca's dad died when we were kids from shoveling snow. He had a heart attack. Two of the parents, uh, well, Danny I knew better. I can't remember the other parent, but I remember he died too. So I put a decree in, in both of my weddings. Look, I don't have to shovel snow. I'll push, meaning I'll get out there when it's early and I'll, you know, move the snow off to the side, but I am not doing that crap. That's for men. That's for real men like Sean Merriman. Merriman. That's for dudes that have some sack. That's for some dudes that can get after it. That ain't for me. No. But tonight we're going to have a football game, and I do believe this. I, I do believe that the Bills are in the Purdue basketball. Make no mistake. Come on. Purdue basketball, you know what I know. Nobody cares what they're doing in the regular season. I mean, look, Purdue fans should. They should be very excited when your team is number one. That's always. You should be very excited as a player when you win and you can get rings. You play for rings. What are the rings you get? You get one Big Ten title, Big Ten tournament, NCAA Final Four, NCAA title. Those are the four or five rings that you play for in, in college basketball. Well, Purdue wins or has won in the past the Big Ten and has taken a uh -uh, in the bed, in the tournament, enough times that people now say doesn't matter what Purdue does. Don't lose to a small Northeastern college, a.k.a. Fairleigh Dickinson, a.k.a. St. Peter's. Don't be the school, Purdue, whose team gets beat, Purdue, that the other coach, Purdue, gets a better job, Purdue. Coach from St. Peter's went to uh, Seton Hall. The coach from, I believe, Fairleigh Dickinson went to Bryant, which is a better job. Don't be that school. Just don't be that school. Period. Don't be that school. Don't, don't, just don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
Don't bring it. Don't have it. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to have it, then you know what? Don't get mad when we wait for it. Don't be mad when somebody says, hey, look, I don't care how you do here. Go win that. A couple of other things as we start this show. You know, Chad mentioned Caleb DeBoer. Let's hear from Caleb DeBoer as he takes over as the head coach at Alabama. I think he's the perfect fit. I do. I think he's the perfect guy at this time. Let's hear from Caleb DeBoer. One of the few places, maybe the only place, that I would ever left to, to come coach at. Because I understand what Alabama football is all about. And those, those guys that I sat in front of a room yesterday, I know what they're going through because I saw the same thing less than 24 hours ago. And I just, I just want to tell everyone, because I know they're, they're watching, I just want to tell you guys I love you. I will miss you. And, um, you know, I want nothing but the best for everyone back there. And uh, the journey of the last two years have been special. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, all right. Uh, that's one side of it. Let's go to the other side of it. Let's go to the other side, and this is the players. See, players know. I always say this. Players know. They know the BS that goes on better than anybody. So here are a couple of UW players reacting to Caleb DeBoer. Try no, fool. Hey, the fun, bro, we in the training room, fool. ESPN kicks on. You feel me? They talking about DeBoer finally coming. Bro. <laughs> we was- we must have looked, bro. I must have hit the coach full. He's a mom of none about that. He turns on the news. Because he really ain't say nothing to nobody, fool. Like, yeah, bro. Like, Cuz is up and left, bro. Players know. Sean Merriman, great player. Players know. They know the deal. They don't have to like it. And, they, in fact, it's so ridiculous that they just kind of laugh at it. Players know, Sean. Yeah, of course, no doubt about that. And I, I think it's even funnier when uh, we get a chance to talk to the coaches and they act like they don't know. I think that um, most players will understand if they if you got a better opportunity somewhere else, right? I mean, we know about the NIL deals now. If guys just leaving up and you know up and leaving for a half million or a million dollar check, no player is in the locker room but are pissed off at that at that uh, kid leaving. So. I just think this uh, is pretty funny, man. It, it, you know, these coaches, uh, you know, if you're leaving for a better opportunity, you you, you got to be up front with your guys. And I, look, everybody, you know, I get it. When I left Bowling Green to go be the head basketball coach at West Virginia, I knew I was getting on that plane. I was either taking the job or I wasn't. So I had a meeting before I even left. I said, look, if I take the job, there's going to be a press conference. If I don't, then I'll be back here. But I just want you to know. There's no real good way, but players, they they freaking know. All right, speaking of coaches, are you surprised Belichick is out? Do you expect Belichick to coach anywhere next year? No, no, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. And I think that they were probably a year or so late. Um, I Right after Tom left and, you know, he took it upon himself to go down there. And even me, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I thought Bill Belichick was was you know Tom's savior. I thought that Bill uh, that Tom Brady was the uh, 
um, you know, probably the secondhand person in that organization, not Bill Belichick. But when Tom went to go lead, when he left and went to uh, to the Bucks and he won the championship down there, then I said, oh, you know what? It was Tom. And I, I thought that Bill Belichick should have departed or they should have let him go after the one year after Tom Brady left, after they found out that it was Tom Brady that was, you know, a big part of the reason why they went down there. So um, I saw the commanders come out the other day and they said no to Bill Belichick. I thought that that was going to be be the team to cut the check and also give him the, uh, the freedom to do what he wanted to in the front office. I, I would say there's two – of organizations and, and one being the Atlanta Falcons that may step up to the plate, but I would not be surprised if Bill Belichick doesn't coach at all anymore. I mean, he's, he's up there in age, not saying he can't, but the way the, the NFL going and the league is going, they're getting younger. Uh, they get more, you know, quarterback friendly, more offensive minded coaches. So I think that just, that's the way that league is going. So the options for Bill Belichick right now at this point with the combination of how much money he wants, also, how much control he wants is going to be very slim. How difficult a situation are the Cowboys in? I don't think they're in a difficult situation at all. I think that the, the, the only choice to make at this point is to move on from Dak Prescott. Um, you know, people are going to say Ooh. what they want about him, but he, you know, he'll, he'll give you a great, a great season, a, re- a great regular season. He'll do everything you ask him to do. He's going to say the right things. Um, but when it comes time to it, he can't get over the hump. And as soon as the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, and I love Jerry Jones, but I got a great relationship with Jerry, love him to death and the Jones family. But for the sake of that organization, they have to move on from Dak Prescott. And there's no other way to, to put that. What is it about Dak Prescott that he does not have and I don't know if it's a postseason thing. I, I don't know. But what doesn't he have? You played. You're a great player. What doesn't Prescott have? D- Dak doesn't have the it factor. He, he just doesn't. And he'll go out there. It's like, uh, you know, it's like someone is fighting someone that that you know you can beat, right? But you get into a real tough match, he can't step up to a plate. I mean, that, that's just who he is. He's going to go out there and beat every team that he's supposed to win uh, to, to uh, win against. You know, every team is 500, around 500, or definitely below 500. He's going to go out and win those games. But when it comes time for it, when it comes crunch time, Dak doesn't have that it factor. And and I and I hate to say that because people automatically assume that I say he's not good. He's a good quarterback. He's above average. He's just not elite. And 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 you can't put him up there in that elite category because it, it, he, he needs. Well, Dak Prescott, he needs so many other tools, right? A number one wide receiver, offensive line, guys run, running the football well, a defense. Then, yes, Dak Prescott is going to go out there and play well. If he doesn't have all of those things, he's not that good. And I've been saying this for a while, and ever since they gave him that first contract and now talking about giving him a massive second contract, I said it back when they did it the first time, that it was going to be worse, one of the worst mistakes that the Cowboys – front office make because it's going to set them back. And it did. You know, Zeke left and some of his uh, counterparts and some of his help left and the Cowboys wasn't as good anymore. So, you know, uh, five, four or five weeks ago, they were talking about giving him another massive contract. If that happens, it's going to set them back years by giving him a big deal. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, Teams get – in the NFL, remarkable things happen. We saw, okay, first 
playoff win in 30-some years by the Lions. You know, this is the eighth, the eighth one and done for the Cowboys since 1998. So I'm sitting here going, it's almost, okay, you got Parcells in there. That didn't work. You you got uh, Jason Garrett, the hand-picked survivor. That didn't work. You got this guy. Kellen Moore was a, you know. What is it about an organization, Sean, that sometimes it, it's it's not just one thing, it's just continual? You know, they the Cowboys set themselves up every year because they're the most delusional fan base in football. And <laughs> they 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 do it they do it to themselves because they actually have a really, really good team. Right? They do. And you know, you, they put so many stamps in, in, on, on themselves, they put themselves at this peak level. When you know you're playing the Commanders twice a year, right? You're, you're playing bad teams a couple times a year, so automatically you know you're good for six games. You're good to win six games in that division, no matter what. Now, when it comes time to play a team of of, of a high caliber, they've shown at least this past year and the years before that they struggle beating those teams. And as long as the Giants aren't that good in that division, as long as the Commanders aren't that good. And quite frankly, you can even throw at this time, throw Philly up there because the last several weeks, Philly has also shown us that they're really not that good of a team. So if you're in that division, you're going to win six plus games no matter what. The problem is with the fan base and Cowboys that they're not honest with themselves and that they're just not a good team when it comes to playing other high caliber teams. And it's shown us year in and year out when it time matters, when they get to the playoffs, they will get bounced out. But they set themselves up for that every single time. Are you buying that Nick Sirianni, if they lose, could get fired here in Philly? Yes. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and I'm look, I said this uh, several weeks ago. The Philadelphia Eagles are one of the most talked about, in a, in a negative way, teams that were 10-1 that we've ever seen in the history of the game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was to the point for me, I was like, man, they don't deserve this. I felt bad for them. I said – Okay, yes, they're not winning games as dominant as they was in the past, but they're still a very good team. And boy, was I wrong. You know, I was wrong. They 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 hit a stretch where they were extremely beatable. And now I see why everyone was saying they wasn't that good of a team. And so roster-wise, if you look on paper, they are a very, very good team. So why are they why are they barely beating uh people? Why are they barely getting past people they should be blowing out? And that's, that comes down to the coaches. Now, I'm not saying just the head coach. I know they had some shuffling with the defensive coordinators. They, they've they had some some guys. In fact, they got rid of the, you know, the offensive defensive coordinator from last year, right, that I thought that they should have, you know, gave a, gave a job to or, or did a better job of trying to keep them there. Uh, so they got some shuffling of coaches. But, man, ultimately, what's that going to fall down to? It's so the same thing that happened with the Chargers, right? I mean, just a – you brought in Kellen Moore. They brought in all these people. It doesn't matter. It falls under the head coach. So when you start looking at the shuffling of the coaches and not winning the games that they supposed to win, the head coach is always going to be the first one out of there. Speaking of Chargers, uh, where does this end? Does it, it end for Hardball in Los Angeles with the Chargers? I, I expect by the end of the week an announcement to come out of the organization about Jim Harbaugh. I can't. I can't see at this point um, you don't move forward with him. And they went through all the coaching, uh, you know, interviews. They had to, obviously, uh, for a lot of different reasons, right? You have to, uh, you know, sit down with the guys internally. They got your office defense coordinator and sit down with Kellen Moore. And they brought 
a few people in. They brought, you know, the GM, a few GMs there. I think that by Thursday, Friday of this week, they have to make a move in Jim Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh, I think it's just uh, too much pressure from the media. I think there's too much pressure from the fans. Uh, hell, man, they, you got even a little pressure from the former players like myself at this point who kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, just still around the organization that just want to see those guys win so bad. And we know that Jim Harbaugh will at least put those guys, put them in a better situation than they've been in in the last, you know, last several years. Yeah, man. I mean, it looks like he's the first, they're first up. It, you know, he coached in Sandy. I don't know. I Look, I I don't know, but if I'm him, I'm not going back and facing all that NCAA and all that crap. Go coach the pros and win a Super Bowl and become an all-timer. Hey, what's going on? What, what What's going on? When's the next event? And how'd the one on January 6th go? Man, it, it was probably our biggest one. Um, and I'm still waiting for viewership numbers, but I think that we climbed that ladder again and made that huge jump. Uh, we got a big one coming up February 16th. Um, in Long Beach, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 14. Uh, you can get your tickets at lightsoutxf.com. Uh, again, we'll be live on Football Sports Football TV. This one's our biggest card we've had in the history of the company. I mean, we are are stacked up. Those guys in the front with Tommy Aaron, who's Tony Ferguson's guy. Alba Morales is to the right of him on that, on that card there. He uh, fought in the UFC uh, uh, before. He's probably looking. I think he, he's probably going to end up back there this year. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's it's great, man, giving these guys an opportunity. But for sure, 100% that this is the, the best card we've had. And we're uh, we're like 25% sold out. We've never been this sold out before, this this far out from uh, from an event, man. So it's, this was going to be big. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Thanks for the insight. You got it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, get FUBU TV. There it is right there. Lights out. February 16th, Friday. You know what? Take your girlfriend. What the hell? She'll probably like it as a Valentine's Day gift. I have not talked about C.J. Stroud for a reason, but we're going stock up, stock down now. I woke up to a nice surprise the other day. Uh, Maybe it was yesterday morning. I don't know. But apparently at some point in the evening, freezing cold takes dug up a little gem by me saying after week one, maybe or week two, I can't remember when it was in the NFL. One of the weeks in the NFL, I had said I would still rather have AR Anthony Richardson and the Texans still stink. I was not right. The Texans do not stink. Whether or not Anthony Richardson is better than uh, what's his face? Uh, ba 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 ba. A better CJ Stroud? I don't know. I mean, it's a long time. Guy might get hurt. Everybody said that what's his face was going to be the next Elway. Talking about Andrew Luck, you don't know. Guy may quit. I don't know. But right now, right now, CJ Stroud, you can make the arguments. Most impressive quarterback still standing. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, I got to tell you, hold on, get rid of this. Look, right now, name me a better quarterback that you saw in the playoffs than C.J. Stroud. I'll hang up and listen. I, I want to hear it from you. I do. I, I-, I haven't found one. I, I got to tell you, C.J. Stroud was so damn good that you just went, wow. What's this guy? Uh, in his 10th year? What? What? What is he? What? What, 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 what? He, he was incredible. 
like incredible. And he did everything that you could possibly ask a guy to do. I'm going to get his numbers here. 16 of 21, 274, three touchdowns, no interceptions, zero sacks. Now, everybody told me, my boys in Cleveland told me how good the Browns were, how tough the Browns were, how aggressive that defense was. Well, they didn't get to him. And one of the reasons they didn't get to him was because the kid knows how to move in the pocket. Now, why did he only throw 21 times? Because Flacco kept throwing the ball to the other team for pick sixes. There was two less possessions. And by the way, Joe Flacco, you threw for 300 yards, you had a couple interceptions, and, well, frankly, water found its level. And that defense... That D'Amico Ryan's defense. Now, if you don't like D'Amico Ryan's after watching him, I don't know what to tell you because that dude seems like a great dude. Remember, we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That dude is a bad boy. That dude is no joke. And what a nice guy. But listen to this. So that defense made Joe Flacco throw and throw and throw, and he threw a couple interceptions. That defense, here it is. 20 carries. The tough the physical, the uber-aggressive run game. I know there's no Nick Chubb, but hey, what are you going to do? Eight carries for Kareem Hunt, 26 yards. Joe Flacco was their leading rusher in terms of yards per carry. 20 carries, 56 yards, 2.8. Miko Ryan's coached some football. D'Amico Ryans can really coach some football. D'Amico Ryans ain't messing around. Holy cow. Stock up. Stock up, I say. And if you don't like that stock up, I can't help you. I didn't really appreciate all the numerous texts and tweets and people saying, you suck. But I'm kind of used to that by now. Detroit Lions, I got to tell you. It was love, all love. Hey, did you see that? Eminem's like an adult now. Eminem is like a real dude. Remember when Eminem went in the booth with Musburger and with Herb Street and he was like, had his hoodie on and he was like a zombie. He was like a walking meth lab. At least he looked like a walking meth lab. He's an adult now. Good for him. That's right. And you know, much respect. Yo, Eminem. And then you got the 66 year season ticket holder. And then you got Tariqs who lives over there. He lives in uh, Ann Arbor, and then you got all the fans are crying, and this is so emotional. And thank God that they built a dome. Thank God Fort Field is indoors so that we could see all this, because with hoodies on and masks on and the cold weather stuff, you're covered from head to toe, you got a hazmat suit on, we wouldn't have been able to see it. But thank goodness. Yeah, very nice. Jordan Love. You the man. Here's why you the man, Jordan Love. Jordan Love did what the Bible tells you to do. Humble yourself before the Lord and riches will come. Humble yourself. That's right. Humble yourself. Well, he has humbled himself. And guess what? Great things are coming to him. He is. Hey, uh, I got to make a move. But when we come back, I'm going to get you my stock down when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, I went stock up, and then, you know, guys got to go party. Uh, stock down now. The Miami Dolphins, look, it's easy to say the Miami Dolphins wanted no piece of the weather. It's easy to say a team from South Florida coming up and playing in whatever that mess was in Kansas City, where I don't know if you saw the pictures, but, like, beer cans were frozen. There were beer slushies. Uh, foam coming up and then freezing outside the bottle. I mean, it was insanity what was going on there in Kansas City. But, but you know what? It's football. You got to play. Teams are playing. People are balling. I mean, you know what I mean? I, it's what you're doing. It's no big deal. It's no big secret. There you go. Look, I right there. Yeah, I went out and shoveled. Hey, I drove out there. You know what? Surgery and all. I got off my deathbed and I grabbed my hat, grabbed my coat, and grabbed my hat. And next thing you know, we're out there shoveling. What? It's what we do. Don't at me. But anyway, hey, the Dolphins wanted no part of that. They really didn't. And you know what? I've said this about Jalen Ramsey, and I get it. He won a Super Bowl with the Super Team with the Rams. I get it. I do. And so I am wrong, but I watched him as a kid when he was coming up, not a kid, but an NFL player from behind. And he was the worst teammate I've ever seen in six years sitting behind the visitor's bench at Lucas Oil Stadium. He was standoffish. He was arrogant. He wouldn't talk to his teammates. They had a kid named Clayus Campbell, tried to reel him in. And I would do anything Clayus Campbell wanted. He was an unbelievable leader as I watched what transpired there, but he wanted none of it. And it's no surprise that a guy like that at this point in his career wants nothing to do 
nothing to do with playing in that football game. And to a tongue of Iowa, I mean, where, he's played at Auburn, he's played with Miami, and he's played in Hawaii. I mean, what the hell does he want any part of all this for? He don't want no part of this. And I don't blame him. Stock down. Hey, let's hear from our girl, Dylan, can we? Can we hear from our girl, Franny Willis? Franny Willis says African-American women, politicians, should be given grace. There should be no expectations on them. They are above the law. Do whatever you want, like screw your fellow prosecutor and direct funds, legally or illegally, I guess we'll see, so that you and your prosecutor buddy can go on lavish trips. Let's hear from this ridiculous woman, Franny Willis. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do it. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. See the lady bottom right, her left, she knows she's full of crap. See the lady right there in the purple, uh, her left. You know, the guy on the right been lying to people forever. The guy with, with the cufflinks uh, to, to Franny Willis is right. He been lying forever. The girl above her left shoulder is like, man, if I hear one more of this bullshit, I got to tell you. I mean, you can just read people. But the lady in the purple, she's heard this crap so many times from so many of these politicians. Like, yeah, let's just do it. But no, man, African-American, I know what you want. We know what you want. It's just a matter of are you going to get it, Franny? You want equal but special treatment. Treat me equally. Equality. Yay. But be make it special. Make it special so that I don't run into trouble when I break the law. Equality, but special. Ixnay on the punishment pay. Punishment, yeah. What a joke. I mean, look, everybody's got to look at that as, we must be allowed to stumble because we can move mountains. What does that mean? That means I should be allowed to screw whoever I want, steal however much money I have, and then I'll move mountains. What mountain are you going to move? Your big fat ass? Up and down? Drive you nuts. It'll drive you nuts. I'm not as negative on Dak Prescott as everybody else, but maybe I just don't know enough. Maybe I just don't know enough, but I would argue this. Stock down Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, but I'll also argue... Stock down to freaking Jerry Jones running the outfit. I mean, what's the thread through the Dallas Cowboys? Is it Danny White? Is it Tony Romo? Is it Bill Parcells? Is it Jason Garrett? Is it Kellen Moore? Is it Mike McCarthy? I mean, who is it? 
What I can't wait for is this. You know it's got to be coming, or are we past that with him? Well, you're only criticizing him because he's black, man. I mean, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that one. Like, I look at, I look at, uh, I look at him and I go, yeah, I don't think he's that bad a quarterback. I think you better be careful who you wish for. You're going to end up as a seventh seed, and maybe you'll never win a game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't pretend to know. I'm not acting like I know. But I'm watching Dak Prescott, and I'm thinking, he's a good quarterback. But the thread in the whole thing is Jerry Jones as a general manager. And you dummies are going to tell me that Jerry Jones has built a really talented roster. But that's not how you win. You built a talented, unselfish intelligent roster. And if you can tell me that is a talented, intelligent, unselfish roster, then I'll give you a smooch to the backside. But I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere. And I see the same problem. They always have a wide receiver who's a good wide receiver who gets pissed when things don't go well. They always have a quarterback that everybody wants to blame. Always. They always have defensive linemen that don't show up in big games. That guy, I think his name is Lawrence, number 97. Two straight plays, they baited him inside, ran around him outside. I'm just saying, Micah Parsons is great, but look, here's the deal. Players have egos. Talk about the unselfishness. Why is he doing all of these things in the media during the year? Why has he got all these podcasts going? Well, it's the way of the world. Okay, it's the way of the world. But you're trying to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, all these things build up in a locker room. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Seems to me that Lamar Jackson may appear on a podcast, but he's not trying to build a brand other than to be MVP again. That's just me. Doesn't mean I'm right. Hey, J.J. McCarthy, his work in Ann Arbor is done, and I got to tell you, that's good work. That's uh, 27-1, and one, greatest quarterback in the history of Michigan football. I think I'd agree with that. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Danny Max calling me. Hey, 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 hey. That's good work. No, no, no. 27-1, he's getting out of Dodge. He's got NIL money. He's got every little girl in the history of Michigan clamoring for him. He seems like a spiritual dude. I'm guessing he went to class. I'm guessing he did some good stuff. I'm guessing that he leaves there as the guy that we all think he is. Now the question is this, is he a first-round pick? And if so, do you want him as your first-round pick? I think he is. I think he's a first-round pick. I think he's a first-round pick, and I would not mind having him on my team as our first-round pick. Now, would you want to have J.J. McCarthy and head of Dak Prescott if you're in Dallas Cowboys? Who would you rather have? You tell me. J.J. McCarthy? Because that's what you're doing. I mean, look, you're going to go would you rather with the Dallas Cowboys. Would you rather have Geno Smith with the Dallas Cowboys or would you rather have Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dak Prescott? I mean, who do you think you're getting? That's the question that comes out of this. Because I don't know, maybe McCarthy, when it gets to the interviews and it gets to all this stuff, is going to draft stock is going to be up here. I don't know. Seems like a really bright guy. Seems like an affable guy. Seems like a guy with athletic ability and talent. But let me ask you a question. 
Do you want him as your quarterback? I don't know. Let's go specific to the Dallas Cowboys because everybody is saying you got to burn it down. Would you rather have Russell Wilson as your quarterback or Dak Prescott? I'm just throwing the names out there, and this is the way this whole thing goes. You know, it may be one of those deals where, like Dak, like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott goes somewhere and he proves he's no good. Because that's what Russell Wilson has done. Russell Wilson has proved he's no good. You know, Tom Brady left, proved he was good. Peyton Manning left, proved for one year he was really good. Second year, you know, he went to two Super Bowls. But that's the deal. That's where we're at here. You tell me. I don't know, man, because that's, you know, I don't think you're going to get Caleb Williams. I just read something where Caleb Williams is the number three rated quarterback in the history of the NFL draft, Manning and Elway. That's what I just read. I just read this somewhere. That's insanity to me. Caleb Williams? Now, maybe he passes every passing test. Maybe he passes every quickness test. Maybe he passes every running test. And maybe he can pass the mental test. But did he do anything this year that said, man, he's got the ball in the snow, got to take it the length of the field in Chicago to beat the Packers or in, in Lambeau to beat the Packers? Is there anything about Caleb Williams this year that has shown that that's the guy you want doing this? Anything, anywhere, anytime? I don't know, man. Michael Penix, how'd he show in the national championship game. Showed pretty good in the semifinal. You know, and people are looking at that now because they it's a copycat deal, right? So C.J. Stroud, where did he play great? He played great against Georgia. And I would argue there's not a chance in hell that Ohio State loses to Michigan if Michigan doesn't know the signs or have absolute intel on what's going on inside Ohio State's offense with C.J. Stroud at the controls. That's just my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm right at all. That's just one man's opinion. I don't know. But this is the this is the conversation. I can get on here and say, hey, Cowboys, you got to burn it down. You got to burn it down. You can't have it. You got to burn it. Okay. Well, I, as a coach or as a general manager or as an owner, who are we getting? Who, 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 who are we getting? I'll hang up and listen. NFL and ESPN. NFL is looking to buy portion of ESPN. The league is in, quote, advanced talks with ESPN to acquire an equity stake in the sports network, gaining control of NFL media, including the NFL media, uh, the NFL network in return. How about that? Now that changes sports the way we know it. This is like a... This is like, what is it, Pravda, where the NFL then gets to control all of the news coming in and going out of the NFL, at least in this world, in the Disney, in the Disney sphere. I don't personally, I don't care. Like personally, it's a deal where I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's smart. It seems like uh, a good deal for everybody. Somebody say, well, it's two sinking ships. I, I don't know how the NFL could ever be seen as two sinking ships. What it seems to me is a great opportunity for ESPN to get an influx of cash to sustain itself in other areas. 
that, I, I don't know, but this is weird to me. And if the, I guarantee you this, I, I guarantee you the NFL is in it. They're figuring a way, a way to make money. A cricket player, listen to this thing. A cricket player loses his captain's title. I'm sorry for sitting like this, but my knee's killing me. Um, Cricket South Africa has taken away the title of captain from their under U19 player, David Teeger, because of comments he made in support of Israel. CSA, Cricket South America, has a primary duty to safeguard the interests and safety of all those involved in the World Cup and must accordingly respect the expert advice of those responsible for the safety of participants and spectators. Trigger, who is Jewish, will remain on the team for the tournament, just not as a captain. All right. Here is what has everybody's panties in a bunch. Here's what everybody's so upset about. You ready? I've been awarded this award, and yes, I am now the rising star, but this is what got him in trouble. Kid looks like he's 12 years old. But the true rising stars are the young soldiers of Israel, so I'd like to dedicate this award to the South African family that married off one son whilst the other is still missing, and I'd like to dedicate it to the state of Israel and to every single soldier fighting so that we can live and thrive in uh, dysphoria. They take his ward away. Apparently being a captain in cricket's a big deal. Now, I've always said, people have always asked me, the only thing I ever wanted to be on a team is a captain. I don't want to be the leading scorer. I didn't care about anything. I just want to be the captain. I don't know why. I just did. I always wanted to be the guy to go shake hands at half court. I want to be the captain. But the truth of the matter is here, this doesn't seem so egregious. Man, I mean, I saw what happened a few months ago. I did. I saw what happened when Hamas came in and slaughtered the Israelis. And I, I, if you can't support the Israelis after that, then your organization sucks. And apparently this organization sucks. Uh, I tell you what doesn't suck, Florida Senator Mario Rubio. Marco Rubio demands, and this is wise, U.S. boxing reverse course on their trans policy stating Allowing men to hit women is irresponsible. Now, doesn't that just seem fundamental? Like, am I just wrong about this? This just seems fundamental. Like, allowing men to hit women is reprehensible. Yes. There's a debate here. Allowing men to hit women is reprehensible, even under the guise of athletic competition. It is behavior no civilized country would tolerate, much less encourage. Civilized countries enforce special prohibitions on violence against women because there are differences between women and men that make men more capable of violence. Men have more muscle mass, larger hearts, lung capacity, and denser and larger skeletal structures, among other advantages. Now, here's how this gets spun. Well, you're anti-trans. Who's anti-trans? What are you talking about? Look it up. It's right here in your phone. Everything's in your phone. Differences between men and women. Differences between men and women. Everything he said was true. Everything he said right there was true, is true. And we're just going to allow a man to punch a woman. Now, 
if a woman gets a shot on a man, then we'll all celebrate that. See, we're allowing sports. But how can you allow this? I'm with Marco Rubio, man. Are you guys nuts? We're just going to allow, man, not only allow, but encourage. Because we're so afraid of what? We're afraid that some dude dresses a chick is going to get mad, honey. I know you're mad. Camilla, I, I know you're so politically corrupt. You got to go. Just go over there and be mad. Go over there and be anxious. Go over there and be upset. Go over there and stand there until you're not mad. And once you're not mad, we'll talk about it. That's it. It's as simple as I can make it. And it's not that hard. It's not that deep. Who gets mad? The LGTQB pride people are mad. Okay, be mad. Hey, life's full of myth. Life's full of slights. You think going around looking like this my whole life? You think that's easy? Please. It's hard. It's really hard. But I'll tell you this. You just keep going. Well, oh, man, that's transphobic. You're put- it, that's, you hate trans people. And you're putting their lives in danger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because men shouldn't be able to hit women in boxing rinks. All right. Hey, Mike Norvell, baby. Mike Norvell has reportedly reached a massive contract extension. He got an eight-year deal worth more than $10 million annually. Good for Mike Norvell, man. See, the biggest thing Mike Norvell did last year, now he became a victim, which sells in this world. But Mike Norvell put him on a spot where Deion Sanders isn't a threat to him, until he is. What do I mean by that? Well, if Mike Norvell had a mediocre year at Florida State, and Deion Sanders next year, let's say next year Deion Sanders goes 9-4 and four or 3, whatever the hell it is. And Mike Norvell comes back with another mediocre year while Deion Sanders is winning nine. Now he's got Deion Sanders breathing down his ass. This is the way coaching works. He's got him breathing down his neck. You know, alumni, various people. But because Mike Norvell did what Mike Norvell and Florida State did, Deion Sanders is out of the picture. Go find yourself somewhere else. And that's, this is true. Like, I think a lot of people, I think, and maybe it was too easy, but I think people thought that because Deion Sanders and Nick Saban did commercials together and seemed to get along together, uh, and people first impressions, Deion Sanders' first impression was great. Deion Sanders ended up, they didn't really beat anybody. We thought TCU was good. We thought Nebraska, blah, 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 blah. Okay. They had a very good start to the season and a bad end to the season, but the start is what we remember, and I think a lot of people feel like Deion Sanders had a better year than he did and that Alabama was going to look at him. And maybe Alabama did. Better for Deion Sanders if they didn't than if they actually looked at him and said, no, man, we're not messing around with that mess. Now, you got to understand something about Deion Sanders. You got to understand people inside football, coaches, other coaches are telling, oh man, this thing's either going to go great and all this silly stuff is going to be wonderful. It's all going to implode. And a lot are saying it imploded last year. By the end, it, it was in full-blown implosion mode. 
Now, I didn't see that. I didn't see people quitting. I thought they played pretty hard till the end. But that's what people are telling me. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Hey, woke dope. Oh, the current state of the USA. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Seeing the current state of the USA, knowing the South Park episodes will be fire. Current state of the USA, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'll say this. It's not as bad as what you see on Twitter. It's not. But that Joe Biden guy, he got sniffy again this weekend with some girl who was old enough to go, hey, man, we're good. Let me get to be about 80 before I think about sniffing you back, Jolton Joe. Next! When you find the date of your suicide in your wife's calendar. (laughs) Man, now here's a question. Is all this stuff going away, right? Everybody's surviving all this. This Epstein stuff, where's it going? It's not going nowhere, is it? I didn't think so. I mean, where's it going? We'll see over the last couple weeks. That's why I get a kick out of all these sanctimonious newspaper reporters. and Nobody's saying a word about this. They're not mad that rich and famous people are out there sexually exploiting young children. They ain't mad. Hey, man, not one person, not one, other than Epstein and his girlfriend have been indicted and prosecuted in the Epstein case. Dudes that are out there screwing little kids? What? Nothing? Not even a little? Not even a charge? Sickening. Next! Attention Biden voters. Please put your sign back up in your yard so the illegals know where to stop for food and shelter. See, everybody's mad now. Fitzger, the the governor of Illinois, who the entire state of Illinois, they headed up for a vote to be a sanctuary city in Chicago, is now pleading and begging Governor Abbott to not bring any more. And he's doing it smart. He's doing it by saying, hey, look, look, hold on. It's cold outside. We got nowhere to house it. Well, you guys are a sanctuary city. You voted on this. You wanted this. See, all of these politicians garnered votes being a sanctuary city. That's how they got elected, partially. And now all of a sudden, what? We can't do it? So you wanted the votes fraudulently, which is we all knew at the time, and now you don't want to handle what y'all voted for, which is we got to be a sanctuary city. (laughs) I mean, O'Hare Airport's got shuttle services, school buildings are being cleaned out so illegal immigrants can stay, and you all wanted this? It's like I told my neighbor right here when he had that sign, that rainbow sign. Nobody's illegal. Everybody's welcome. I go, yeah. They drop off a busload of illegal immigrants here. I'll just send them to you. Keep that sign up. I did this six months ago. Maybe more. Like, yeah, you, you, you're good. You're good. You're smart. You're, you're, you're better than me. 
that sign has since come down as it well as it should what are you gonna do oh man one last last thing you ready get your pen and paper right here we got college hoops we got college hoops upside the head this day we got a lot of co- this is a this is a holiday this is Martin Luther King Day so I saw this and I want to make sure the line is still there because I want to give you an accurate line because it starts here in about two minutes. No, noon. I'm going to take Ohio State in a point and a half against Michigan. But what I'm really going to do is I'm going to take that, I'm going to watch that, and then I'm going to decide whether to bet that. I'm also going to take Harvard giving up three and a half. If I can make that three, I will, or two and a half, giving up three to Brown. Now, don't take my word for it. There's a couple good games. I don't know what to do with Marquette Villanova. Villanova getting six and a half. That sounds pretty choice. But I got to tell you, Marquette just got beat. They got beat by Butler. Now they can't, they bounced back with a pretty good win. And then tonight, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm going to take Philadelphia. I'm going to take Philadelphia money line. I'm going to take a minus three. But that any NFL bet that I make is subject to the sack attack. It is subject to my boy sack. But I'm taking my bet early to start the day right there with a couple Percocets and some crackers so I don't get nauseous. Uh, my day is going to be started with the Ohio State University plus one and a half over Michigan. Doug, McDan- Doug McDonald or Doug McDaniel, whatever his name is, he's back. It's the weirdest thing ever. Jawan Howard suspended a guy from road games. Six road games. Apparently he wasn't doing his studies or something. Have a great afternoon. Nick and Nick, thank you. Dylan, you're the best. Aaron, give me a call later if you would like. Maybe I'll be coherent. Uh, Thank you. Brooke, thank you. I got to go. I'm hurting. See you.